Carl's Breakfast Metal, episode 78. This year, me and Rob are going to do our usual year-end roundup where we do like our top 10 list and sort of honourable mention shows and we'll be recording those right at the end of the year. But ahead of that, um, I thought as a bit of a primer, I'd do my top 10 EPs of 2020. Um, because often in these kind of end-of-the-year lists, stuff like EPs kind of get overlooked and I've always been kind of a fan of the format and this year particularly there's been quite a lot of interesting ones so I thought I'd throw that ahead of time. It'll probably be a slightly shorter episode. So I've spoken about it a lot before on the podcast so I think EPs are a really interesting thing for bands to try out something a bit weird and wonderful like I've always enjoyed like say Cathedral's EPs where they'll go off and do one giant 20 minute long song which probably wouldn't have fit that logically in a runtime of an album or stuff where bands just experiment with doing something a bit different like a couple of episodes ago with Mastodon's Cold Dark Place of stuff that just didn't fit on an album but was actually really good but you know was able to come to a full conclusion in its 20 minute runtime. So number 10 we have Ulvik with Isolation Motifs. So I'm pretty sure this is an EP. I'm going to classify it as such because I can't find any information to the contrary. It's a 10-track long, 20-minute long release. And as you can probably interpret from the title, um, is the, the band put out a statement saying they were gearing up to record the next full-length studio album before the start of, like... COVID-19 hitting the world and that all got scuppered so instead they put together this interesting um, kind of collection of short songs and short ideas um, apparently written by collaborating from across the world rather than actually meeting up in person at any point. As you may remember last year I was very enamoured with Olvik's um, release volume one and two which were some amazingly kind of emotionally potent um kind of black metal meets post black metal with isolation motifs they've really lent into that sort of post uh side of their sound the the first five tracks actually are pretty much entirely these um acoustic guitars and like very subtle synth pieces none of which coming in at much over two minutes they're like these wonderfully atmospheric kind of folky moments um i puts me in mind in places of stuff like Opeth's Patterns of Ivy, but like kind of maybe like extended out, maybe I guess like taking in different ideas of folk from around the world. Like there's there, there's there's a bigger variation in scales there, I guess. And actually by the time I got about halfway through this release, I thought that would be the entirety of it. But as we get into like tracks six onwards you actually get this really low-fi aggressive black metal come in often actually interspersed with the acoustic moments so some really cool stuff going on here i think it's track eight has this um amazing texture of the acoustic guitar going over this like very raw lo-fi program blast beat much like with volume one and two there i believe there are vocals but they are so off in the distance in this really harsh mix um that they they don't come through that clearly on the acoustic pieces they are very much not there the 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 sort of earlier acoustic and synth pieces are pretty much entirely based around these like beautiful guitar melodies it's it's a very um i guess like subtle release but i've always liked um all stuff for being incredibly subtle and 
they, 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 these are a band that can do a lot with a very short amount of time and really create some amazing atmospheres without spending too long on it. Now, this obviously isn't a proper follow-up to the the Volume One and Two. They're incredible releases from from the last two years, but I think under the circumstances of not being able to to sort of get into like a proper studio, I assume, or even actually meet up in person, like the band, I, I, there's not a great deal of information out there about the um, the the members of the band except I think they do live fairly far apart from each other so it, it's this kind of I, I guess it has more of that vibe of being slightly spread out and you know something where there is a lot of disparate ideas rather than one like amazing continuous piece because it was written as a distance as such but I still think there's some some moments of like absolute beauty in that self-titled EP. They're self-described as anti-colonial erratic hardcore made on unseeded Gadigal land, um, otherwise known as Sydney, Australia. And this trio makes some really angry, sort of short-to-the-point grind slash, like, screaming hardcore kind of maybe power violence. I mean, as regular listeners will know, I am out of my depth in this genre, but I do really enjoy stuff like this where it's just got such a good purpose behind their like political rage for it. It's just so easy to get into. Uh, front woman Ayashaya, um vocals are what really sells it to me. She's got this great kind of very pain scream. There's like a there's a hell of a lot of motion in what she's doing, and the the rest of the band do these great like hyper short to the point tracks. With just walls of like screaming feedback guitar, suddenly going to blasting sections and then dropping away into like 
kind of more ringing out sections. There's um, additional noise and sample manipulation credited to Joshua Downton on this. And there's a lot of sections like towards the middle of the album, tracks like Golden and Gaze, where the blasting, like after a section of blasting, it will ring out into kind of like an interesting like electronic section. Um, their their write up uh, says like this release was all like all the profits from it went to the Firesticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation, uh, providing support in Indigenous communities. Which yeah, it's it's just like that really cool complete package of doing really angry political music um, about the subject of the treatment of Indigenous peoples in Australia, and having you know backing that up with with this. Uh, their digital release like you know being like something that went out with all the profits going to charity and it, it's pay what you want so like no excuse not to pick this up and and donate a little this is one that stuck with me all year actually it came out back in like the 10th of january so like one of the earliest releases of the year but in its incredibly short runtime like it's only it's only seven tracks i think it's under 20 minutes in total it it does a lot of damage it's just such a kind of brutal angry album it's very raw and rough it doesn't so they're they're a free piece with vocalist guitarist and drummer um i think the guitarist also has some backing vocals but the, the guitarist doesn't do a lot to fill out the low end. They're, they're, this is just like one of those very high-end kind of raw sounds. So it's not like the kind of more modern, modern worm rock where there's like a load of bass in the guitar. It's just like a wall of filthy distortion. It's, it's all that kind of like higher trebly range. And even the vocals are are like a touch higher as I say like they've got that pain thing to them where there's like not quite melody in them but they're not like a single harsh noise so like that mixed with like the electronic stuff it just makes this a very a very very abrasive listen which you know absolutely perfect for the subject matter they've actually put out another short two-track EP of uh of additional songs like later this year so there's more to see from this band other than that i think they've just got a demo from back in 2016 but i'm hoping that this is the start of bigger things for them from this like short sampling of 20 minutes of music I've, i think the they they definitely have an incredible album in them and yeah i'm looking forward to see where this band go in the future
And number eight, we have the EP Dead Star by King Buffalo. So we covered these guys like ages back on the podcast. We're on episode 42 with their 2018 album, Longing to Be the Mountain. These are definitely one of these bands that, um, I guess, questionably metal. Like, they're in that loose, nebulous category of stoner, uh, stoner rock, stoner metal, you know, um, sort of similar vein to something like Elder. What I really love about this EP is it starts, like, its whole, like, track listing is really kind of bizarre of starting off with Red Star Part 1 and 2, this, like, 16-minute-long epic. Like, it... It's, it's odd, actually, they chose to release Dead Star as an EP because it's really close to being a kind of full-length album. It's, you know, it's about 35-minute runtime, which I guess for a stoner album is a bit short. But it, it, it's absolutely perfect in its runtime because it does not outstay its welcome and does some really interesting stuff without ever repeating itself. So the opener, um, Red Star Part 1 and 2... The part one is this 10-minute long build-up with um, this amazing interplay between drum and bass, very reminiscent of something like Om, where there's just this like very cool groove that gets into this almost like spiritual, meditative headspace with the guitarist just adding touches of um, of kind of like spacey lee guitar over the top of it and then when it hits that um that like sort of 10 minute mark suddenly the big distorted guitar comes in and you go into this really heavy like massive riff for the final like 60 the final like like the final the whole part two that like six minute bit is just this massive riff stoner rock with with these um cool kind of like psychedelic rock vocals coming in the vocals aren't like absolutely incredible or anything but like the way they're placed in these songs just sounds really cool the guy's just got this nice kind of clean voice and it's always there to back up the big riffs and and really brilliant tones as they like that intro where it's just drums and bass with just little effects and stuff over the top sounds utterly amazing and then when the guitar comes in it sounds brilliant like brilliantly massive there's something really good about the way this band sort of just goes for tones like they get that spot on which i I guess is a key of the stoner genre but these guys do it really well um we get like a more straight ahead rock song on track two echo of the warning star a short three minute then something really odd in track three elliptic which is um like basically a synth pop track um i've recently been playing a lot of hotline miami and um it sounds like some of the backing music from that, and it, it works really well. I'm not the biggest like synth pop guy, so I can't really tell you whether it's derivative or or um, particularly inventive. But it, I found it a really enjoyable breakup um, in the runtime of the EP. There's then like a bigger song in the form of Et Carney, um, the like sort of like a longer kind of more full track, and then the the really kind of poignant Dead Star outro, which is. It feels like suddenly very melancholy going from this kind of these like rich like riffs earlier in the album to this this more kind of down tempo song. It still finds a place for like the heavy guitar and riffing in it, but yeah, just really well executed. I love the cover. The cover has a real like 70s throwback vibe to it. This amazing kind of like 
consolation and space mixed into this this image of like a a fire breathing skull I, I the whole package is just really really good i love the mix i i like i love the cover I, I, and i think the album has such a good kind of flow to it as well so as i am i mean ep i'm gonna keep doing this throughout this episode and, and something actually quite um quite nicely they've added on the end of it is um well at least the version i've got at any rate has has a, like has a radio edit of Red Star, which I, I think is kind of pointless. But then there's also like a ten minute long conversation um, with the band discussing, like basically just being interviewed or discussing their um, their thoughts on how the album came together and how it how it differs from their previous releases. I just really like that as an inclusion. Maybe I'm a massive nerd for for wanting that kind of thing in there, but I don't know it just seemed. Um, seemed really interesting especially when you got the extra space of like the you know as i say it's only only about 35 minutes long so having that that additional room for an interview on there is just just a fun way to sort of round out the album i'm not going to listen to it every time particularly because dead star is such a such a brilliant closer but yeah if you have time for that kind of um sort of sleep influenced psychedelic stoner rock uh maybe a touch of sludge but it's far more on the stoner rock end of things as they like possibly pushing us like uh categorizing it as metal but the point is it's something i think metal fans will dig like so yeah if, if you if you enjoy stuff like the more modern sound of sleep or, or say like on with that intro give king buffalo's dead star a go i i, I think there'll be something for you in it
number seven, we have a slightly controversial one, but I'll get into why in a minute. This is uh, Tunisia's Omination uh, with their 2020 EP, The Pale Horseman. So this band have been going for a little while. I, I've not heard anything else from them before, though. They, I think they're a one-man project, and they've, they've got two full-length albums, which apparently both came out in 2018, and then they've put out The Pale Horseman uh, this year. So it's a one-man project of Fedor... Kowalowski and um, it's kind of in the funeral doom realm yeah I, I classify it as funeral doom but it's a it's a really interesting release like it is one like 24 minute long song that starts off with this kind of like um, these massive kind of like church organ type keyboards uh, and with this like kind of quite melodic spoken word like passage over the first four minutes with interspersed bits of drums and guitar and then bursts into sections of extremely heavy death metal like when it goes for the fast bits like the drums come in with like a massive intensity it's kind of like a sonic boom the moments like like the massive snare and kicks start hitting and the, these sections give way to kind of more more slower doom passages with his vocals getting incredibly harsh over both of them, a great, like, guttural from that previous spoken word. Um, and the, the album just, like, or the EP, sorry, just chips along really well over its, over its run of, like, it feels very naturally, like, one one continuous piece of music you know much like say like an opening to like an esoteric album where they'll often play like a 20 or 30 minute long song this feels like that but they've just just given us the one song here i believe this is all done at home as well like um the drums i'm convinced are programmed um and like yeah like as i say fedora is is credited with everything on this release um Bar um oh bar of some guest female chance, um now I've got to get into the controversial thing because this will put many of you off listening to it, and I can understand it. But technically, he's not actually done anything wrong here. the The cover is a really weird choice. It is the same cover. It's that same art of a like sort of image of death riding a horse that was used on Emperor's debut EP and is like up in the corner of the in the Nightside Eclipse cover. It's that really super famous image, which, you know, it's it's an old painting, so it's it's sort of it's out of any copyright, so they can do this, but like it very much exists in the metal sphere and I don't know, I feel Funeral Doom and Black Metal have enough overlap in sort of fan bases. There's no one listening to this who hasn't heard that early emperor stuff i don't think it yeah very very odd choice and i know for a lot of people this was um this was hugely off-putting but i for me like i probably listened to it in the first place because i saw that i went what the fuck are they playing at but i was so gripped by the intro of the album like i love the the big organ sounds he sort of meshes into it throughout i love his sort of as i say like kind of clean slash spoken word um vocals they just sound immensely cool and when it gets into those harsh bits the the attack of it is so extreme and it, it kind of makes up for the the drum sounds kind of dodgy it does sound very robotic which is a bit weird in funeral doom but it's just so punishing in those moments that yeah it, it's really enjoyable and and i really um i really respect anyone who can write 
a 26 minute long song that feels naturally like that. It, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Something that's kind of confusing. They've got a really odd band photo on Bandcamp, um, which features three people. There's clearly himself in the middle, like wearing a white robe, flanked by these two figures in black robes wearing white face masks. I don't know if this is just a cool effect for the photo, but yeah, it's, I think it's quite a fun uh, band photo, them sort of standing in a desert under this like amazing sort of sunset in these these almost Star Wars-esque robes. <laughs> it's just a really cool image. But yeah, if, if you're into, like, I, I say it's Funeral Doom, but even if Funeral Doom is your thing, I think if you're a big black metal guy, I, I think there, there could be a lot, a lot for you in this. Um, interestingly, uh, Fedor seems to have, like, a, a quite, kind of, quite a, th- amount of albums under his belt as I say he's done a few with with this project but also um he, he seems to be in a load of other bands credited on uh metal archives doing stuff doing like often vocals and guitar like so yeah he's clearly a very proactive guy I've, I've never checked out anything from him so yeah definitely definitely an artist I want to dig into further at the end of this year but yeah so this this release is Omination and the EP is called The Pale Horseman.
Oddly enough, speaking of Emperor, at number six, we have Ishan with his EP from uh, February this year, Telemark, uh, released on Candlelight Records. So some of you uh, may remember I covered this EP fairly early on this year. And embarrassingly enough, he has put out a follow-up, Pharos, which I completely missed coming out. So, uh, yeah. Failed on the research somewhat there. But that, that doesn't discredit this EP as being really good. Um, for, for whatever reason, this EP, like, it's, it's only three proper songs and then two covers, has sort of excited me in a way I didn't get excited for his last release, Amir. And honestly, if I am being serious about Ishan, I, I do like a lot of his solo stuff, but after Angel and after his album 2 and 3, I, I haven't been so, so deep into um the the follow-ups but but for whatever reason this this ep really grabbed me and i i wonder if some of that is just purely um the the switch into doing the vocals in norwegian it, it gave his voice a very a very different um tinge to it it's it's only as i say it's it's it is proper kind of ep fodder like three proper tracks and some covers but the proper tracks do some great stuff like he's he's joined by his usual cohorts of tobias on drums and uh jürgen uh, also of shining on on saxophone but i feel jürgen's saxophone playing is a bit different on this he uses the saxophone particularly in the the opener uh steer D, quite um quite kind of percussively like doing these these like brief bursts of it like at a cool points in in the groove which uh, i think works really well there's more of a focus on screams rather than cleans so in a lot of places like it feels a bit more heavier and aggressive particularly the opener track track three has some fun stuff the whole like, opening like two minutes of it feels very like modern borknigar-esque uh, like a slightly different melodic sensibility to some of the stuff yeah there's some just something about it it's hard to put my finger on um that makes it not sound just like another Ishan album which i felt like particularly those last two Ishan albums he was sort of um going through the motions a little this 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 excited me again i'm not going to go into too much more detail because i say I've, I've covered it in like the last six months the other thing is i will say is the covers are a bit odd the lenny kravitz rock and roll is dead cover is fucking horrible like unlistenable but the iron maiden Rathchild cover with scream vocals and saxophone i personally think is quite good and I maybe should be embarrassed of thinking that, but I, I genuinely enjoyed it. So anyway, after this, I need to go away and listen to his other EP, because if that is as good as this, this has been a very strong year for Ishan, complete with also his uh, his appearance on um, on uh, the live stream Shining Dude, where they played the whole of Black Jazz in full, adding backing, well, like backing or additional vocals to Madness and the Damage Done. That was absolutely amazing. Possibly one of my favourite live streams of the year. And he's streaming a whole set with Leprous, I think, uh, tomorrow. I, hopefully it's tomorrow or I've just missed it, which would be annoying. But yeah, so like, Ishan's been doing cool stuff this year. He's definitely um, definitely taken advantage of lockdown to put out some interesting music. And you know, definitely saying it's open to those people with home studios. Hello there, this is Phil from the future. I've uh, now actually gone and listened to the second Ishan release because I thought it was worthwhile including a review of it here. So he put out two EPs, as I mentioned, Telemark, I thought was utterly incredible. The second one, Ferros, um, is, is interesting. It's certainly not in the same league as the first one. So 
as I was saying with the first one, um, it's quite like intense in places and like like Telemark's all the scream Norwegian scream vocals. Ferros, I believe, is entirely clean singing and entirely in English. Same structure of the EP though, like three about five minute long songs and then two covers at the end. And it's got some cool moments to it. I think the real standout for me is the the title track, which has this sort of slightly orchestral flair and gets a bit more gets a bit more dark, um, which is interesting because it's actually a song about the lighthouse at Alexandria, I believe. Um, at least that, that's what I'm taking from the name. Um, but then, let's say, track two, Spectres at the Feast, is a bit, a bit goofy. Also, it's worthy noting between these two, um, there's no guest saxophone from Jürgen Munkeby on this one, but there are some guest vocals on the final cover from Einar Solberg of um, of Leprous, which sort of fits more with the direction of the two, the, the first EP being a bit more experimental uh, um, and intense, so... The sax fits really nicely on it, whereas this does feel more in that kind of modern leprous mold, where it's a lot of songs based very much around um, Ishan's clean voice, which is a great clean voice. You listen to tracks from his catalogue, like Pulse, like his clean singing is getting really good. But I do, I think, love the songs most where he has a bit of both going on. Now, what I really love about this EP, and this is a completely stupid reason for liking it, uh, recently me and my girlfriend were watching Ishan and Leprous did a live stream, I think, uh, so I'm recording this on the 22nd, um, I think this was like two nights ago, the, uh, the 20th of December, they did a live stream, and the final cover, Manhattan Skyline by Aha, they started playing, and about 30 seconds in, I didn't quite recognise it, and then when we twigged what song it is, we were both like just like cheering and high-fiving not because we're big aha fans but entirely because of a sketch from the uh the scottish sketch show limmy's show where like two metalhead friends play this to each other just because of the bit where the guitar comes in as like well worth looking up this is like for me one of the best parodies of metalheads i've ever seen in like a in a TV, like, sketch comedy show. Yeah, so that's Limmy's show, and just search for Limmy's show, Aha, or Limmy's show, Manhattan Skyline, R.I.P. Benny Harvey. But yeah, like, overall, Ferros is cool, but I, I, I have a sort of... I, I don't think it's one I'd be going out to get a physical copy of, whereas Telemark I really, really wanted to own. And I, I like that Ishan, like, you know, in lieu of putting out a full length in the, the last year, has done these two short releases where he's explored two relatively different themes. I'm really hoping he, um, with the next full length, goes off more in some of the directions he was trying in Telemark, because... That seems like it could be quite an exciting new direction for him.
Okay, at number five, we're getting to the ones where I really started debating about the order to play them in. This is um, Zelenardor with their EP, Wake of a Nation. So, as you'll probably know, me and Rob on this podcast have been big fans since we heard um, Zelenardor's debut back in um, 2016. And this one was just a fantastic release of a... It's very short, it's only six tracks, but then that debut was only nine. It was like, it was quite a short and sweet release. But it was just so... This one is so brilliantly, like topically aimed with the absolutely astounding like one of my favorite covers of the year immensely simplistic but the inverted crucifix made of two police batons on a just a plain back black background and this whole this whole um album is very much um a response to everything that's been happening in america with the the rioting and protesting against police brutality. And that opener, Vigil, is one of the most lyrically powerful songs I heard all year. The um, sort of, the chorus is a series of lines, which were the last thing I think people said before they were before they were killed by police. And with the, the then the repeating refrain of, they just, they're just following orders, they just keep following orders. A truly powerful stuff i I really really like that song but that song is mainly sort of a a cleaner sort of more melodic if very very sad song um but the next track uh tuskegee gets really kind of up and in your face with some of that like some of the heaviest riffing i think like zealand were capable of like there's i believe it's um Manuel doing pretty much everything on this other than um, the drums which are played by Marco von Alman and has certainly been a step up from the debut that having a real drummer means these heavier sections do sound when it goes into the proper black metal moments they do sound more aggressive and Manuel's screams are sounding better than ever on this like on Tuskegee they they just sound all over like just really really intense uh, later in the album we have like I Can't Breathe, which is like the sort of the chorus from Vigil set over a more electronic piece. And yeah, there's some the interesting stuff. Um, Trust No One does a really good job of moving between the really light and really heavy, which is sort of more what I guess they were doing on the previous album. Whereas this, this release, um, there's a lot more of a track is kind of a theme rather than the mixing of themes. There's... Um, yeah, this far more of like, here's a black metal piece, here's a kind of more melodic, soulful piece, here's an electronic piece. There isn't so much of the spirituals in this, actually, but I, I, I don't think it takes away from this. I think this is still an incredibly strong release and possibly a sign of where Zeal and Arda are evolving to. But just as well, like, I just love this for being that, like, that incredibly topical and, you know, coming out so close to the event him being able to create something this powerful without having to ruminate on it for that long like this came out in october and you know very much referencing recent events yeah really really amazing stuff and once again makes me so hyped for for seeing what zelanada do next like the fact they were a band that easily shifted to live when i i thought live would be impossible for them and it turns out absolutely brilliant one of you know one of my favorite bands to see live now um yeah and then this 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 ep shifting in a slightly new direction of the sound 
possibly showing very exciting things to where they're, they're going in the future. You took all we had away You're quick to call it sick But we've been damned to say Trillium with their EP Fasang. Uh, sorry, that is going to be a hell of a lot to spell if you're not familiar with them. Uh, the, the EP title is F apostrophe H T A N S G, which I assume is some kind of like Foolian reference that seems to be like the core of uh, the subject matter of this band. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, Isotrillium are a French kind of avant-garde black metal band who are a one-man project of soul member Asagul, a uh, multi-instrumentalist and vocalist who seems to be a really talented young guy. As far as I know, this is the only thing he's involved in, and he's put in some amazing stuff. We'll talk about it more in upcoming episodes, the 2020 release, Eternity of Sheog. Um, I actually spoke about it on Into the Combine earlier this year, and we spoke about their, their release from 2019 uh, on the I Void Hanger record, Telluric Ashes. This isn't actually an I Void Hanger release. This is a, a self, self-released self thing, as far as I can tell. Um, this EP was released quite late this year, sort of October, end of October, where it's like the album's a bit earlier. So this guy has an incredible work ethic. So far, he's put out five albums in this EP. And whereas Eternity of Shale is this far more sort of melodic, um, very beautiful... Uh, like just, just brilliant album this seems to go in quite a different direction like maybe more in common with uh Telluric Ash um it's very dark and brutal but also it's like sort of far more raw and you can tell it's kind of like a a home recording the drums are like very clearly kind of roughly programmed um something as well this one the vocals are really high in the mix he's kind of 
really harshly over-the-top growl is is real front and center in this there's great use actually kind of similar to the uh, the funeral doom out uh, ep we were speaking about earlier there's great use of massive organ like keys over over these huge guitarists there's a it's it's a short release but it, it's it's very atmospheric and very foreboding it's a a very dark extreme ep like i like even though it's like under 20 minutes runtime it's it's quite affecting in that time something this this band just seemed to get right every time is the cover the cover is this wonderful twisted image of these like two demonic figures in this really nice color scheme yeah it's an amazing bit of artwork and for, for like this kind of small seemingly home release like it, it's um yeah, it's it's an amazing, um, amazing piece. Maybe not quite striking as as either as two previous album covers, but yeah, the, I I'm endlessly amazed at this guy. He in his like the short time I've been aware of him, I I can't believe the extent he's gone to to put out like he he's put out an album every year, two in 2018 actually since like their formation in around 2017, I imagine. And this year, it put out an absolutely groundbreaking uh, progressive black metal album, and then to put out this more straightforward apocalyptic black metal release straight afterwards, it's, yeah, absolutely, absolutely incredible stuff. If you're into that style, I highly recommend picking this up. I think this is yet another one. I, I think, like, three of the ones we've covered recently pay what you want on um, on Bandcamp, so, yeah, you can... You can pick this up for free if you really want. Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk more about this band, but I'll, I'll shut up for now because there would definitely be more chat on the uh, end of year episode. <laughs> fairly varied in terms of genre like um i realize in recent years like our end of year lists have gone a bit too obsessed with progressive black metal basically but um i think i've managed to get a few other things in here and and this next one is 
probably an odd choice for me. Uh, number three, we have a melodic death metal album. This is Door to Chaos from uh, New Jersey with their debut EP, Door to Chaos. So the reason I'm aware of this band is um, Armageddon, who were Chris Amott's project, sort of ran along with um, Arch Enemy and then sort of he kicked them off again uh, when he moved to America and put out the amazing Captivity and Devourment album, I think back in like 2014. That project I was really interested in. I, I felt it was far more exciting than anything Arch Enemy had been doing for years. Sadly, apparently Chris Hamlet wasn't able to make enough time for it, so his band sort of left him and formed Doors of Chaos. I remember hearing a demo from them, I think in 2019, and I wasn't quite so excited about it. I, I don't know why. Like, it, it, Some of the magic felt like it wasn't there, but I'm not sure whether that was to do with the loss of Chris or not. Like, there's just something about it didn't connect with me. But, so I kind of, you know, wasn't paying attention. But I checked out this EP when it came out and actually it totally floored me. And let's say the big difference between that, um, that first sort of single I heard in this EP is that there was a massive lineup change in that they lost their guitarist and vocalist and slimmed down to a free piece with... Um, Andrew Penvey on uh, lead guitar, Yanni Sofonos on drums, who I actually didn't ever play with uh, Armageddon, and uh, Sarah Claudius on bass. And what's really great is Andrew stepped up to play all the guitars, and Sarah actually decided to start doing the vocals. And what's amazing is her vocals are definitely the best vocals ever associated with Armageddon or this band. Like, she has this amazingly, like, rich um, growl. Like, I... It's it's kind of quite clear in that sort of melodic death metal style, but it, it's got this real gravel to it and, like, really kind of full sound. And she's also a very gifted bass player. She does a lot of quite interesting bass work. Like, obviously, with this style of melodic death metal, the bass doesn't get as much chance to shine, but she does throw in some touches of interesting stuff. Now, this is very much your kind of arch-enemy end of, of melodic death metal. And as someone who is absolutely in love with like the first like four or so albums from that band, I feel this captures some of that energy. It's got a, it has those brilliant like hyper melodic in your face pentatonic leads, and the leads on this are so good. But it knows when to get heavy and go into kind of more kind of riffy sections and in its like in the five tracks like the twenty minutes that this covers, there is just good riff after good riff with loads of amazing hooks amazing bits of lead tonally the album's really good the cover's super cool like this kind of um like abstract black and white spacing the the lyrical themes seem to be sort of sci-fi slash a bit of uh fulu type stuff yet again um but, like, yeah, it, it, it's just a really full package. I think very much sold by um, Sarah's excellent voice. But there, there's a lot to like about this. Like, I, I think the sort of lead guitar work really shines through. And you kind of hope for that with... Um, with that kind of, like, you know, this kind of sound. There's a guest solo from... Uh, Joey Concepcion, uh, who who played on Captivity and Devourment as well. So yeah, th this this 
actually feels like a really good follow-on to that album uh, I really enjoyed. And, and yeah, just just really taking up a lot of elements where yeah, where I, I felt they were were pushing that sound into an interesting direction again. And uh, I, I'm super excited to hear more from this band, but for the time being, the, these five tracks are are absolutely brilliant. <laughs> another debut ep this is the band rejoice the light has come with untitled ep um this is a very kind of progressive avant-garde black metal album so for all my talk of getting away from that actually i probably totally failed once again but in a kind of a kind of slightly different vein so most notably this is a colin marston project if if you're not familiar with colin marston he's a Mon super producer of um, all sorts of that, like sort of uh, New York sounding bands. You know, he's worked with Imperial Triumph and uh, Artificial Brain. He currently plays bass in Gore Guts and is like a very gifted, like multi instrumentalist, although primarily a bass player, uh, playing with stuff like Callus and Dysrhythmia, Behold the Octopus. Um, but he has a full lineup with him on this. This is hardly a solo one. He has. Um, session like regular session drummer kevin uh, pardis with him who most notably is now playing drums with benighted on their um excellent obscene repressed album from this year but he, he's played with absolutely tons of bands as live drummer or, or guest studio guy all they all sorts of cool stuff over the year like sort of shining um nader sadik uh, Melikesh to name just a few and the rest of the lineup is rounded out by three guys from the band uh, 
Agashura, um, who I previously wasn't familiar with, but yeah, they're taking out all guitar and uh, vocal duties. And the core of the sound of this release is it's, it's quite a short one, uh, and it's sort of three tracks that kind of perfectly weave together. Um, they're kind of interesting in that it's like the first one, it's like a two minute song, a four minute song, then an eight minute song. And they all sort of play into each other. So I'm not quite sure why they didn't just make it into one giant song. I can't imagine ever listening to this and actually skipping any. Possibly just to get the ridiculous song titles in there. But for me, this album has a... It's got a bit of that like Death Spell Omega type sound to it. There's there's a lot of um, modern Gorgots in it. Like... Collins playing on this is just like his bass playing Gorguts with that that hyper technical, very experimental bass, all all kind of played with picks. So it's got this real hefty kind of twang to it, often like disappearing off into territories far removed from what the guitars are doing. The the drums are that solid sound you'd expect from someone playing in United, where when it goes for a double kick section, it is an absolute intense pummeling this is an extremely heavy release the uh, in our last moments a crescendo intro when that sort of gives way to the the next track the the kind of ridiculously titled i don't think i can actually read the whole thing the presence of a being whose interest in our endeavor is ephemeral and rarely rarely believe speaks imperceptibly in the space between our breaths as I say, ludicrous over the top titles, but as as that first, like the sort of almost intro gives way into this, the, the song just explodes into this like absolutely massive attack. The thing that I think really roots it for me in black metal is the vocals are a very kind of black metally snarl. Um, but yeah, that, that that kind of bass playing and drumming is far more death metal. So I don't know. It, it's one of those hard to categorize ones. It's got a it's got a touch of everything extreme. But it's just such an incredibly, like, gnarly and mind-bending release. It's really hard to to kind of quantify everything that happens throughout it, um, despite it only being about 15 minutes long. I know, I, I found this this um, this one super exciting. It's It's got Colin Marston written all over it. It's definitely one of his kind of, like, avant-garde, pushing the boundaries of oddity and extremity. Um that he does you know there there are definitely elements of that like of the sound he gets for stuff like artificial brain and imperial triumphant in here uh but yeah it's just it's just incredibly brutal dark atmospheric and and interestingly complex and technical once again with a really cool cover this strange like sort of brown image a very smoky image of like this sort of decaying face and yeah Really amazing stuff. Um, based on the Metal Archives page, the, the band has an absolutely horrible logo. Uh, so I'm kind of glad it's not on the cover. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's over the top and it's pretentious, as you would expect from a band called Rejoice! Uh, exclamation mark, the light has come. But I, I think when you're making music like that, you, you've got to lean into the pretension. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't give these songs simple titles because... That wouldn't make sense with the complexity and and weirdness of the music. Yeah, really, really amazing release. Um, I, I love it when sort of Colin spends time out to do sort of odd side projects like this, and especially teaming up with a bunch of musicians of this caliber. Just really cool stuff. <laughs>
that brings us to number one, and this is an I'd Void Hanger Records release, uh, Flesh Vessel's debut EP, Bile of Man Reborn. Um, Flesh Vessel from Chicago, Illinois, um, experimental death metal band, maybe? Um, yeah, this EP is one monumental 24-minute track, and yet another one-song giant slab of extreme weirdness. What separates this out is just the sheer level of experimentation and complexity in the structure of this. So, as the album opens, um, we kind of, after a, like an atmospheric build-up, we get this kind of off-kilter death metal with a layering of interesting keyboards over the top of it, some excellent kind of nasty vocals, um, and you, you kind of, this chips along for about five minutes you're like okay i think i got a handle on this and this is cool death metal this is really like just excellent like gnarly fucked up experimental death metal the 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 addition of the keyboards really adds something there's a real like great harshness to it um once again another program drum release but the drums have got a good enough sound to them you can tell their program but it, i don't think it really holds the um holds the arm back but then things get weird at the five minute mark we suddenly get these like the 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 death metal calms down for a moment and you get this hyper 70s like burst of like bizarre prog keyboards this amazing keyboard tone and this goes on for a while and then like that like builds up into that like prog 70s keyboard over the really kind of brutal raw death metal and then there's more interesting stuff that happens as the album goes on so the lineup of the album is absolutely bizarre we have um amos hart on vocals and piano and alexander torres on guitars um drum programming also viola door harp and puerto rican catro which i don't know what that is uh, a fretless bass player and then a flute player uh, and then someone credited with whistles like this is it. as the album goes on. There's so many more notable, like interesting sections. Around the ten minute mark, we get this um, like this amazing passage that feels like the soundtrack to like a seventies horror or like maybe like the backing music for like a a Key Brothers piece. Like uh, this um, sort of strings and whistles and like acoustic parts. Uh, but really like off kilter horrory with like sudden bursts of harshness and then that moves back into this more kind of doomy death metal then towards the end of the song we get this like almost like flamenco-y like um guitar like acoustic guitar passage before yet again more death metal but what really sells this to me like this sounds schizophrenic and just just weird but Actually, it's a coherent piece. I, I feel every change they nail. This makes sense as one 24-minute-long song. It doesn't... Uh, to me, all the kind of weirdness and additions don't feel forced. Like, they regularly use that thing of, like, big, over-the-top 70s keyboards over death metal, and they just make it work. And it's not something on paper I'd predict. And, and, and at its core, the death metal parts are great riffs, but these... It's these interesting layers they add to it that just 
make the album flow in an absolutely kind of ridiculous way. Yet again, it's an Ivoid Hanger release, so the cover is this really interesting... It's, it's a very hand-drawn piece, like, of this, like, tortured body of, like, like, sort of this human torso being mangled in this hellscape. It's, yeah, again, another, like, interestingly over-the-top piece. But it fits very well with the music. The music, despite having all these disparate elements, has very atmospheric and kind of quite scary for you hours. So that... that moment around the 10 minute mark where it goes into like horror movie soundtrack feels very kind of um expected it feels like something that fits perfectly into into that section now i i've only got the metal archives to back them up on this but um the the members of the band don't seem to be credited with a lot although those in the band um credited with like flute and whistles i can't imagine a lot of other bands have had had a lot of place for for those those kind of instruments. But yeah, even like the bass player and vocalist aren't really credited with a great deal of other projects. I get the impression this is a very young band, but the level of compositional skill on this is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it was it was released that as soon as I you know put the time into sit through the full twenty more four minutes of one track was. Yeah, absolutely enthralled by, it. and I had to stop myself including it in our um, I Avoid Hanger special earlier in the year, just because we obviously couldn't play the entirety of a twenty-four minute track, and uh, that's how the Sonic Cloth likes to run things. But yeah, like, so I'm happy I've got to cover it, and despite like the incredible stuff we've had this year, stuff like Zionada's um, Wake of a Nation, I, I still found this this kind of more engaging. It has been the EP that I keep revisiting uh, because it's so digestible about that kind of length and so exciting and varied yeah I think really well deserving of the number one spot and and the reason I wanted to do a show is because these EPs often get overshadowed because we've got so many good albums to talk about and people tend not to care about EPs so we always do the list um you know, your, your top tens, all albums. So stuff as kind of monumental and as important as, as Flesh Vessel, uh, Bile of Man Reborn, I had to find a space to cover it. So I, I've done this 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 episode. I'm recording quite late at night and I'm sort of half asleep. So I hope, I hope it made sense and there was something interesting in this. But I just wanted to get that list out there because I, I felt there was some really, really cool stuff this year. And I, I've been incredibly impressed by the... The variety and interest I've had in EPs has been so many bands taking great advantage of it, and I think some of it's you know a lot of people being stuck at home due to like unfortunate circumstances, but it's great to see bands making making the most of it. So as I say, me and Rob are going to be recording um, in the next couple of days. Our our end of the year wrap up. I think that'll be a proper two parter. So don't worry, we'll we sort of plenty of time to get to a lot of other stuff. But ahead of that, you know, let me know, um, let me know your favourite EPs from 2020 and, and favourite albums and stuff as well. Like, you know, I've still got a little bit of time to to check stuff out before the end of the year. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch, hit me up um, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter, Phil's Breakfast Metal at Facebook, um, Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com if you want to get in touch uh, via email. Yeah, so, so let me know what, you, what you've been enjoying this year. Anyway, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that list. Thanks a lot for listening.